today we're going on a journey where I'd like to open up a conversation about anger. And if any of you have had a, con a conclusion that anger is not a good thing, I'd like to invite you to review your assessment about anger. Did you know that anger is morally neutral? It's neither good nor, ba nor bad. There's, there's no emotions that are bad. They're Jesus, God designed. It's morally neutral. Every emotion is morally neutral. They're not sinful emotions and spiritual emotions. How does that sit? Anger is morally neutral. It's designed by God for us to have and to know how to steward and to know how to feel it and to know how to process it and to know how to release it. And I'm wondering if the church hasn't done an amazing job at helping people steward anger and process anger. We've done well at going, make sure you forgive. But I'm, I'm wondering if anger's had a really bad rap and it's been really looked at as a really bad thing to have. So can we look into anger? Is that all right? So my question we're going to keep coming back to is kind of the end point of my sermon. It's what do we do with anger or we give it a voice? That's kind of it. If you get one thing out of this, we give anger a voice, which might be not what you've heard before. See if this one works. If your anger had a voice, what would it say? Sorry if that's not dark enough. If your anger had a voice, what would it say? If your frustration had a voice, what would it say? Do you ever behave angrily? Sometimes we look at that, that that's the sin and we're focusing on that, that, but that's just a product of your heart needing to have a voice. If your anger had a voice, what would it say? Any of you raise your voice? No, because we're all passive aggressive and we keep our stuff down because we're Christians. <laughs> Equally sinful. So if your, if your anger had a voice, what would it say? Okay. So someone in the room is just explaining that there actually there's something that will go on out there and there's something she sees and it makes her angry. So what we need to do whenever we feel that emotion, thank you, Liv, is what is my heart trying to say? But some of us have a quick thing where we're like, don't let it speak, it's sinful, and squash. Or we're like, we have no self-control, so it's bleh, take it out on everybody else. So there's four possible things we do with anger. I'm hoping we'll start working towards the last one. So if your anger had, if your anger, <laughs> I get angry when I haven't eaten. That's okay. So if your anger had a voice, what would it say? I'm hungry, is Amy's, it just came out. <laughs> If your anger had a voice, so for some of us, we act out. And this is the one we can find most scriptures talk about is do not, in your anger, do not sin. It doesn't say being angry is your sin. It says in your anger, when you're angry, when you have the emotion God gave you, do not then go and sin because of that feeling. 
So the scripture is clear about do not act out of your anger. Acting out means any physical manifestation of anger, any vocal manifestation of anger. Did you know that no one can make you angry? No such thing. No one's that powerful. Otherwise, you've given away complete responsibility of your emotions and someone else has complete responsibility of your emotions, which is really then you've done something wrong by giving away responsibility of your emotions because then it's all your fault. But no one can make you angry. Just someone can annoy you enough to reveal your anger on the inside. Situations reveal us. Parenting, I, I was a tricky kid. I w really was. My, my mom may have got frustrated. I was very difficult behaving kid. But, and I've been a teacher, I know, I know kids that can, that can really push us, but I think what they push us to is that they just reveal anger that's on the inside. Sometimes situations can be really, really tricky. We're not sleeping, we're a parent, we're really not sleeping, or we've really gone without food, or we've gone without pay, or we've gone without, or we've gone without, or we've gone without, we've gone without peace, our kid is pushing us up on the wall, and then it reveals us. We get worn down to a level where our anger is revealed. No one can make us angry. Buttons pushed means they pushed into your anger that's on the inside of you. How's that going so far? Okay, so we act out. Let's look at some scripture. I know scripture is confusing because we really, really have gone, well, anger is sin. And I understand where you got that from. We can read Psalm 37, 8 to 9, and it says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. So basically, refrain from anger or you'll be destroyed. That's a bit deep. So it's like, okay, be angry and you're destroyed. So we're not going to be angry, yeah? But then in Psalm 7, it's a bit contradictory. Psalm 7, 11 says, God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. So Psalm 37, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Psalm 7, God displays his wrath every day. Bit confusing? Should we leave those scriptures alone? <laughs> Let me get on to some other ones. No, so there is a bit of a paradox where it's like, which way do we go? And there's the Old Testament and there's this God who's, who's killing everybody and he's saying, thou shalt not kill. I understand it's confusing. Let's get into the heart, of the heart of the Father when it comes to anger. The Old Testament is confusing, but it was, it was where he was, he has a line when it comes to sin and there was just a curse in play. That curse is no longer in play because Jesus became the curse. Jesus became the curse. Okay, so he died, and we no longer have to be slaughtered, but he still talks to us about anger. So can I talk to you a bit more? Ephesians 4.26. If some of you want to flick to it on your phones, or if you're just a note taker and you want to look at it later, there's some language in here I want to share it out, so try and get to it if you can. Ephesians 4 verse 26. Okay, so it says... In your anger, do not sin. Here's another one. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That means don't let your anger go into tomorrow. Deal with it today. So what does do not let mean? If it's saying don't let yourself stay angry beyond a day, then what are we going to do with it? There's no how-to manual that came with that scripture. What does that mean? And each of us have interpreted it differently differently. 
some of us will be stuck the anger or we take out the anger on someone. Like, how are we going to get into tomorrow without the anger? What do we do? We're going to go on a journey. Next, do not give the devil a foothold. Some of us have thought that means to be angry means we're giving the devil a foothold. Did you, did you think that? I, I thought that. But no, anger is morally neutral. Anger is an emotion that God gave us so that we can feel, no, nope, I don't like that happening to me. No, that's injustice. No, that's... So then what does giving the devil a foothold mean? Anytime that we, the, the devil has a foothold, it means an open door. And anytime the devil, the demonic is allowed to come, it is because there's a door open. There's not a door open because there's anger. There's a door open because you let anger become bitterness. Bitterness means, bitterness is the open door. So where it's saying, do not let give the devil a foothold, it's saying, deal with your anger while it's there. Don't let it go hard. Don't let it get get to offense because when anger unresolved becomes sin not anger is sin so anger unresolved becomes sin so anger unresolved is offense and bitterness and judgment if we become bitter offended and judgmental then the devil has a foothold and then the demonic can come and sit on our anger and we can have a spirit of offense but the anger isn't the, the, the open door is this making sense Again, it's not giving us a how-to, hello. It's saying don't let the demonic come, so don't let it turn to bitterness, but it's not saying what to do with it. So let's keep going. Verse 31 of Ephesians 4 says, so get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is the open door. That's where the demonic can come. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of your compost. Get rid of your rubbish. How? Where's the manual? So get rid of bitterness. We've got a clue. We have to get rid of it. It can't stay here. Does it say what to do? Is it rather out than in? Like, what do we do with it? Get rid of all your bitterness, your rage, and your anger, your active anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it, because it'll be an open door. How? Let's go, let's go on a journey. Proverbs 29, verse 11. Fools give full vent to their rage. So a way to get rid of your anger is possibly not giving full vent to your rage. That's a good little clue there, a little clue. But the wise bring calm in the end. Oh, so helpful. In the end, what's the middle? <laughs> How do we get rid of it? It's saying the, the, the wise person is in the end, they're back to a state of calm. Asif, how did you get there? I don't know. I don't know. Just don't do it. Okay. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9. Um, just if you want to write it down somewhere. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. So not easily offended, for anger resides in the lap of fools. There's another clue. What does to reside mean? To live. So that means having anger isn't the problem. Having it live there is the problem. Anger isn't sin. Letting it stay there to become bitterness and offense and judgment, that's the sin. Anger is morally neutral. So anger resides in the lap of a fool, but you're not a fool to just have the anger. See the difference? Okay. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So if someone approaches me and they have wrath, here's a little clue that if I talk to them gently, it'll turn away that wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. There. So we are not responsible for someone's anger. 
I can't make you angry, you can't make me angry, but we can stir it up. Anyone in here a stirrer? <laughs> there was a little pause, yes. So we can stir people up. People can stir us up, and it can stir up whose wrath? Our wrath. See, we can't make someone angry. We can stir up someone's wrath. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered person, which means it's not that they're feeling anger for a moment. It's actually who they are as a person. Anger has resided in their lap, and they're a fool. Bible said that. Sorry, I can get away with that. Bible said that, and they're a fool, and they're offended and bitter and judgmental. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So now we're learning that even if we have a bit of anger, use patience, use self-control, and it's part of the process of getting to that wise, calm thing at the end that we want to know how to get to. So patience and self-control come into this. What else does the Bible say? Colossians 3, verse 8. Colossians 3, verse 8. But now, but when? You must also rid yourselves. Oh, I'm not responsible for your anger. Rid yourselves. Rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Just added that extra one just in case some of us needed to hear it today. Colossians 3, verse 8. When must we do it? Now. You must rid each other or rid ourselves. So we're the only one responsible for it of all such things like anger. So it doesn't say don't ever have it come in. But once it's there and it's morally neutral and we're not sinning, then we need to get rid of it. That's another word for that. Dispose of it. So we get rid of it. We get rid of rage, malice, all of that sort of thing. Is there a how-to manual that came with that scripture? No. Okay. Then we get onto some scriptures of what happens when we're angry with each other. I'm going to come back to that point later because that needs to go too. Okay, so we can have an emotion of anger. Anyone here experienced that emotion before? Yeah. So for some of us, we are people who act out. This is rage. This is malice. This is yelling at anyone. This is raising our voice. This is the facial expression. The teacher look, the mum look. We can act out our rage, okay? I used to be known for it. I could get a kid who threw their rubbish to the bin, and with my look, they would get up, go, fetch the rubbish, put it in the bin where it missed, go back to their chair, and suddenly work very hard. And I hadn't said a thing. You've got you to gotta have the, look, the parent look. You did that yesterday. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving down at the local shops. This kid walks across the road. He's got an apple, and he puts it in the middle of the road and walks over and walks in my car, and I just drive and just look at him. He sees me, and he turns around and walks over and picks it up and puts <laughs> it in the bin. So. Acting out our anger. We'll repent together later and gnash our teeth and whip ourselves. Okay, so we can act out. Some of us believe that that is the most sinful, and as Christians, we're going to act in. So if we're not people who act out, which is very, very bad and very, very sin sinful and you're a fool, some of us act in. It is equally sinful. Equally. Everyone say equally. Some of us are like, my partner, he always raises his voice and he acts out and it's terrible. I just hold mine in. That is not getting rid of and disposing. That is toxic. That's bitterness. 
looks like glorious self-control, but unless it went out, you stink. So acting in is disconnecting, because I'm annoyed with you, and just turning aside, and oh, we'll talk when I've calmed down. I need to go and spend time with Jesus. <laughs> I feel like there's an act inners in this room. <laughs> I'm going to go to my, soul, my, my false refuge of God, and then come back and tell you what how you made me angry. No, it is important to actually sometimes just go, I need, I need a minute, I need 10 minutes, I need 20 minutes, because I'm going to go find some self-control, and Jesus will help me. And to go and say, Jesus, can you show me where I'm at fault in this situation? That's, that's really important. But acting in is, fine, I just won't say what I'm angry about. I'll just be bitter looking, bitter behaving, and disconnect and have some time on my own and cold shoulder and refrain from physical contact and intimacy. It's a great way to do conflict is holding hands. Great way to do conflict is holding hands because you can't disconnect. And the point of conflict is not disconnect. The point of conflict is understanding. So you keep the connection until you understand each other. So some of us are act inners. I'm just not going to go on Sunday for a few weeks because I'm in the process of forgiving Amy. <laughs> who said something in her sermon. She called me a fool. I'm not actually pointing at anyone or saying anything, but I'm just saying disconnecting when we've hurt you isn't the answer. Telling me how I've offended you so I can repent and make it better is the way through, which we'll get on to in a minute. But acting in is equally sinful, and it's not getting rid of anger. Some of us have a third option. Some of us are going, I know, I hear you, but I don't really, I don't really have anger. I never feel that emotion. You're in denial. <laughs> Very cute. Means you're deceived, and there's a spirit of deception on you. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> okay, so if... If we have, if we're not connected to our anger at all, we're just not in, in contact with any response of negative feeling, then it's possible we have denied that feelings are allowed to even be there. All negative feelings, they're not allowed to be in my family. They're not allowed to be in my heart. No one in this household has anger or pain. It's not allowed here. We are God's family. So that's denying that anger is allowed to be there. You're denying a God-given emotion. And if some of us never feel negative emotions, which aren't negative as far as they're bad, negative as far as they feel awful to have them, if we don't have things like fear, pain, or anger much, then we're missing out on a whole area of the Lord made us to have those feelings. Do you know that? There's three main negative feelings categories. They are sad, mad, which is anger, which is what we're talking about, and you say negative people. It doesn't, it doesn't rhyme. I never said it rhymed. <laughs> Gosh. These are, so think of a, um, think of a clown doctor. They are in the mall and they have those balloons that are long and they blow up and you can twist them into a little animal. You've seen them before? Or... <laughs> clown <laughs> run away so they, they can make a little thing a little object out of a, a balloon so this is a balloon and it's been twisted and there's, there's air in all three and it's on equal proportions we are supposed to believe that having the feeling of fear which is morally neutral 
have we judged fear? Morally neutral, we're supposed to have that in, uh, in us and be able to feel it and get rid of it. We're supposed to have anger, because it's morally neutral, feel it and get rid of it. And we're supposed to have sadness. Have some of us judge sadness? You're all thinking of the movie now. You can see this blue dumpered little, with their foot up, getting dragged. <laughs> sadness. Okay, so some of us, what's the, what, what's the movie? Inside Out. So uh, we got sad, mad, and fear. And some of us may have been tempted to judge any of these three emotions. If any of us have been tempted to judge fear as, a, as an evil thing, sadness, unchristian thing to have when the joy of the Lord is your hope, and uh, anger, because the wrath will be destroyed, then um, we've judged God's emotions. And part of us is out of kilter. And we're not feeling feelings that Jesus felt. Garden of Gethsemane, fear and sadness. Turning of the tables, anger. God, Jesus had these emotions. Who was after God's heart? Who's someone who, a, a man that wasn't half Jesus, half God, who was completely after the heart of God, David. Which feelings, which feelings do a bulk of the Psalms begin with? They're on the board. There's three of them. Sad, mad, or fear. It's how the Psalms begin. There's a clue in what to do when we have sad, mad, or fear. We uh, give it a voice. We do not squash it. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was possibly the writer of Lamentations. Have you read Lamentations chapter 3? And the first thing is just verse after verse after verse that, the, that God is a bad, bad God. And God doesn't go, cut that out of the Bible. It's sinful for him to be mad with me. No. He wants to hear what the heart wants to, needs to say. The heart having a voice is the most important thing to the Lord. He gave you your heart and it's missing some of its voice. So maybe you don't, someone who has a heap of anger, but do you have a heap of sads? Do you have a heap of fear? Some people who battle with anxiety, sometimes it's because of this. Well, in this family, you're not allowed to have sad emotions and no one's listening to you because parents are preoccupied and drunk and, or we're very, very Christian and we don't have sad emotions. So that gets squeezed into this and this goes fat. But we're not allowed anger. Anger's bad too. That's not allowed to have anger. We believe in Jesus. And so we have a person with the air gone out of these two and we have that. And some of this pa person who battles with anxiety, anxieties, insomnia, people have panic attacks, unexpressed negative emotions. Pushing out sad and mad and the heart hasn't voiced these things from recently or way, way back. And so there's all of this going on because the air got taken out of sad and mad. And we thought we've got to be Christian and get rid of sad, mad, and fear. And I'm so sorry on behalf of churches who've taught you these three negative emotions are evil because they're not. They're morally neutral. Jesus has them. God has them. He wouldn't have given you something that he doesn't want you to have. That's, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. He's given them to you so that you can learn to master them, steward them, and process them and because without being able to get to sad, we don't need a comforter. And we miss out on this whole wing of the Lord relating to us. Without anger, we don't get to take our, our injustice feelings to him. And he doesn't get to be the rescuer. 
You know, and without fear, he doesn't get to be the mighty one who comes in and saves the day. And, and there's just this whole lack of a, a type of intimacy with him that we miss if we're too busy being really faithful. And yet we've been taught to, to, to live life faithful and de- declaring the scriptures, and it's true. But that's why a lot of the Psalms start with sad, mad, and fear, and then they get to but God. And the but God is right, and we need to get there. That's the getting rid of. We need to get to, now that I've told you all about how I feel, and I gave my heart a voice. So for some of you, you need to ask yourself the question, if, fe- if my fear had a voice, what would it say? And instead of trying to stop being a fearful person and, and start re- declaring scripture over yourself, just give the fear part of your heart a voice. And then, then that's a faster way route. If any of you battle with anxiety, then just start journaling. If my anxiety had a voice, what would it say? The Lord wants to hear all about it. And then we get on to, but God, we release it and we go on. Some of you, it's your, if your sadness had a voice, what would it say? If the sad child in you had a voice, what would it say? The scared child had a, you know, we come up and we be become great adults, but there's little sad, mad, and afraid kids in our hearts still that never had a voice, and it's stuck. And so we have insomnia, and we have false refuges, and we have, it just needs a voice, that's all. How are we going so far? So if our anger had a voice, what would it say? So the key is, oh, number four. So we don't deny it and stuff it down. We need to give it a voice. We need to give it a voice. Can I just paint a little bit of a stronger picture around how we get into denial? Or how we, I guess all of this is a bit of denial, because the, the first three options is we're not giving it a voice. We're trying to manage it or not. No self-control is acting out, and it begins. We're trying to manage it. So maybe let me describe some reasons why. Can I say why some people are angry? Some people are like, please tell me why I'm angry. <laughs> I'm trying to find the answer to that. Well, start journaling. If my anger had a voice, what would it say? But here's some, some root reasons as to why people battle with anger. A, a reason, a reason, is it can be a generational problem. It can be a generational problem. Can. Rarely, but sometimes. And that's where offense is in the family line. Where generation after generation, your family is offended. They're around the dinner table, it's talking about other people, it's bitter at the church, it's bitter at the government. All the things that the scripture asks us not to be, ever, ever talk about the government badly. Did you know that? Any institution of leadership can't say a word about them at word person. It's really dangerous. We get to voice our anger and express it, but that's different to acting out, which is belittling anyone in leadership. Okay, so it can be generational. And so that's another whole topic in itself, but we need to deal with it generationally. We need to shut that door to a spirit of anger and a spirit of, gen- of offense that, that is just being, that needs to stop. And your kids don't need it and their kids don't need it. Let, let's just deal with that. It's a topic in itself. If you feel like it's a generational thing, it really is a, a, a you, the, the, the quick teaching is you repent on behalf of the generation and you forgive them. You repent on behalf of all the generations back, including yourself, and you forgive them. And then you place the cross between you and your generational line and bless 
bless them and thank you for all the blessings, Lord, and we place the cross there and we start walking out the new way. So that's generational. But more often, it's actually just something, it could have been something that was at done at home. Maybe they were the first in the line, but it's been modeled. Is that right? Is it too loud? It's been modeled for you. And so what happens when we learn generationally is we go, that's how, that's how an adult acts. So we see dad acting out and mom acting in. So we don't learn to process our anger. So it's been modeled. Or we see dad acting in and mom acting out. Or we see a teacher acting out or the pastor acting out or your neighbor or your granddad. Anyone in authority who acts out or acts in, then it's been modeled. And we have possibly just learned it. Or because it got modeled and... Anyone here, anyone else here who would have been hurt if a parent was acting out or acting in instead of giving it a voice? Yeah, so it's, it's hurt our family because there's yelling or there's silences and everyone's in their room and no one's talking. So what do we call that? We have judged them. And the scripture says over and over and over again, especially in the New Testament, which still applies, that if we judge anybody, we get judged for the same thing and we become it. So we actually can't stop becoming angry because we've judged angry people. It's actually a thing. So because we've watched anger we've we and we've judged them, we actually become act-outers and act-inners and we can't stop ourselves. But if we can deal with the judgments, so the way you deal with this one is you repent of those and bring those judgments to death on the cross. If we don't deal with that, we end up just still displaying anger in a way that is sin. We're the fools if we're the act out and the act in. Or we've been trained by, who knows, but possibly Christian families and churches that anger is bad and sinful. So we've been trained denial because no one's acting out and no one's acting in and no one has anger. It's just a sea of Jesus Christ in us. And the Holy Spirit is in the room right now because there's no negative emotions. In this church, is written across the door of a lot of churches, no one who's mad, sad, or in fear can enter these premises. Or you are non-Christian. So I'm not saying that that's actually a rule that churches say, but we can get into a church family and we go, is there room for this? And yet I'm full of this. It's bottled in here. Is this emotion safe? And then if we're someone who battles with anxiety or depression or we have a lot of fear of things or the fear of going without or we're fearful about our money or we're worried about our kids or we're angry about our partner, then we feel like we can't share that with the body of Christ because we, we've got to repent of having those feelings. We don't have to repent of having those feelings. We don't have to repent of having those feelings. We don't have to repent of having sa uh, sad, mad and fear. We have to repent of acting out of that or acting in with that or denying them. We need to repent of denying those feelings. Is that new? We need to repent of denying those feelings and we need to give those feelings a voice and then we need to get rid of those feelings. So we can't let them go past a day, but for some people, like anger that comes up with trauma, with betrayal, with losses, with death, doesn't take a day. So there's some angers that just have to be processed and they take as long as it takes, but that's different to getting stuck in anger. Just like grief. Churches, we don't have to repent of being people who are grieving. Grief takes as long as it takes, so long as we don't get stuck in grief. It's the same with anger. Okay, so sometimes we get trained to deny. 
that they're bad feelings to have in this home. Sometimes in a response to this, because we saw acting out and acting in model, like anger was such a bad thing in my home, or parents yelling at each other and I'm going to get a divorce, and what did we do to cope? It's the last reason we can be angry. What did we do to cope? Can we change all their anger? No. What's the only thing we can change so we don't feel the brunt of the anger going around us? And it's Hannah Beer being chucked against the wall and the fear in this household and the sadness. What's the only thing we can do to cope with living in this painful environment? I will not feel. So we have inner vows. Some of you have been doing the Elijah House course have heard of more about this. So we have inner vows not to feel. So we're people who just, do you feel sadness often? No. Do you ever get sad? Do you ever get angry? Mm, Jesus is good. He's mastered that. Or Jesus mastered having all emotions. That's actually what Jesus mastered. He mastered knowing what to do with them, and he is a guide on how to do that. But for some of us, we're actually battling to have the negative emotions, which I'm not saying our goal is to have them, but we battle to have any of them because there's a bit of shutdown, because I will not feel kept me safe. And especially when it comes to anger, most people who battle with anger that just, is they have an inner vow of, I will not be angry. And so then it builds up and builds up and then, so I will not be angry. I will not or never be angry because that's a response and inner vow to dad acting out day after day after day after day after day. And we come these people who just, we just have, we just don't have any anger. Or because we judged him, we have anger all the time and we become dad. This is sort of a quick teaching on judgment and inner vows and they're all teachings on them their own. But are you following me enough? That actually... I just want us to assess, for some of us, we've mastered not, like, anger used to be one of my main emotions, and it wasn't, I was a fool. It was a thing where it was, it resided in me. It wasn't just something I had and processed. I've had to learn how to have it and get rid of it, dispose of it, like a rubbish bin. Some of us feel like the way to dispose of it is to push it down. That's not disposing. That's not disposing. Just like when we're in the house and then there's still a half a packet of biscuits, well, I'm just not going to let them be around tomorrow because tomorrow I'm starting a good day. So we don't put it in the bin. We go, so I'll just quickly eat the whole packet because tomorrow is the new day. That's what stuffing our anger is. (laughs) Someone in here has done this before. That's stuffing anger. That's stuffing anger, stuffing biscuits. Get rid of doesn't mean... in indulge on it and and let it res- letting it reside is feasting on it okay you got to get rid of it so how do we get rid of it well i'm in two areas i'm just going to say when it's your own anger because it's just in you i'm going to give some ideas on how to get rid of it because i've been learning that because it was one that i let reside in my lap then i'm going to talk about what if we're angry with someone else especially in our family so this is a family and if we're angry with them then what do we do? And for some of us, we're stuffing that too and not dealing with that either. And so I really, really hope that we can learn to learn what it means to put, put it in the bin, truck comes, it goes. Okay, so when we're angry on our own, the answer is give it a voice. Give it a voice. Underneath anger is always an owie. There's a clue. Underneath anger is always pain. 
always. It's what makes us angry. But some of us, we don't get to the pain because we never work through the anger and we don't go to the anger and we're too busy judging anger. Anger is sinful. Get, I forgive. Get rid of the anger. Get rid of the anger. Stuff the anger. And we never get to the wound underneath it. So then we get angry again. Underneath anger, just if it helps, is always an owie. And you've got to get to what hurts to get rid of the anger. Just a tip. How do you do that? It, it can involve sitting with a friend about it or just being on your own. It's best to try on your own. I'm usually with a friend that is better for me. But try, because you need to get alone with God. But the, the ultimate answer is to process emotions with him. And that's who he wants to be with you. So what I do is instead of repenting that I have anger and then go and have a quiet time, <laughs> I make my quiet time about processing my anger and getting rid of it because it's a spiritual thing to do. So um, I'll just get alone with the Lord and I try to say it out aloud because that's giving the pain a voice. Try it. So I'm in my lounge, I'm on my own or whatever, put my hand on my heart. I don't know what's under the anger and I just started telling him what I don't like. I don't like that da 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 And I don't like that da da And I tell him all about it. Like Jeremiah. Like David. Like Jesus. I tell him all about it. I tell him all about it instead of acting it out on my family. It's okay. <laughs> or instead of acting it in on my family. <laughs> Mom's in the room. So, um, and I don't deny it so that I can be spiritual enough to have a quiet time. I go in angry. I come into the worship time here with my anger or with my, with my owie. He doesn't want us to, to clean up and then come to him with it processed. He's like, can I be part of the process? So I say it out loud, and I find as soon as I say my anger out loud to the Lord, the tears come. I get to the owl. But it takes voicing the anger. I just say it, and then I go, oh, it's actually because I'm hurt about this. So just try it. I just find the tears always come if I verbalize the anger to him because I'm not acting out anymore. I'm going, I'm going to where it hurts. I'm going to the root. So I just say it to him and the tears start to come and then we can process. So now I forgive. Da, 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 da. Or a lot of the time our frustration is sometimes just because there's life things that aren't working out. Any of you have the frustration of like, you know, when you just hold a kid's forehead and that's all you have to do because they can't go anywhere and their arms are flailing and they're trying to run, but we're just strong and we can just hold them by the forehead. Sometimes we feel like life's like that. Your family member's still not gotten well and it's been 10 years. That's like a frustration of I can't get forward. You still can't get work. Savings still haven't happened. A family member still hasn't come to the Lord. 10 years of barrenness. Or now you're in your 50s and that never happened. Death of, of, of a family member, death of a spouse, death of a kid, loss of income, loss of home, loss of nations. There's massive life things that happen. They're called traumas. They make us angry. And then we've been believing that it doesn't matter. God's in control. But then we have all these life things that happen to us. And who, who else is responsible but him if he really isn't, you know. And so actually if we let ourselves get to that place, we can be sometimes a bit miffed with him. He doesn't mind that either. I love um, this lady, Sarah Crompton. She is one of the Elijah House um, prayer ministers internationally. She's in America. A lot of our people have met her. We're sitting in on her prayer, her prayer ministry sessions via Skype. I love her testimony. So her and her husband were in ministry together, these young people in ministry in their 30s and in their 40s. And then he gets sick. That was not part of life's plan. And then he got very sick. I don't know if you've ever heard of the disease ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. 
where it's all in motor neurons and they break down and it starts with the starts with the feet and the hands and they lose all feeling and then it builds up towards and the lungs are the last thing to go and then you die there is no medication for it as yet and her husband got ALS leading prominent ministries together in his late 40s like this isn't this wasn't part of what the <laughs> they signed up for and she became his carer and so six months at home in the lounge was his that's where he's dying and you know it's the only outcome unless Jesus does something and one bit by bit the the body loses everything and then it's just just the rapidly breathing and then he goes and she she had to walk through trauma after he finally passed because she couldn't process it at the time and the flashbacks and the, that's just, just horrific and so you have anger at God sometimes. <laughs> and she had this buildup of emotion, and the Lord was like, come, come sit on the veranda with me. I want to hear about your anger. She knew who she was angry with, but he called. So she went with her journal, and eventually she let it all out. She gave her heart a voice, and she heard God audibly say, good, now you know what I know. God knows our anger. He knows when we're angry with him, and he doesn't mind it. He's not afraid of it. He's a leader in her teachings now on anger with the Lord. He said, now you know what I know. Will you bring it to me? And will you lay the offense down? Now you know what I know. Will you bring it to me? And then, you know, let me hold you. And then will you lay the offense down? And the offense goes into the mystery of God. We don't know sometimes in the areas of losses that a lot of us in the room have or lack of breakthroughs or the things that have made us angry. And God's not saying, get rid of your anger. He's saying, bring your anger to me. Give your heart a voice. Then you'll know what I already know. And then together, let's lay the offense down and let's get on with life. Even if you have to do that every day. So give your anger a voice with him. And you'll find as you're together, I've just found him embrace me and lift it off. And I get his comfort more and more. It's a journey of learning. And, I've, and I've, I'm not just, I'm not classified as an angry person anymore to myself. Like, I just don't have that emotion so often. But I used to because it was residing in me. Bitterness, judgment, that's the sin. Anger is not. Is this all right? So that's just my, a little bit of a how-to that I'm learning is give your heart a voice. But I'd just like to finish by what do we do if we're angry with someone here? or not literally here, but just within the body of Christ or an, another human, someone that I'm in relationship with. Because we're a family, we can't choose each other. Hey, we're stuck with each other. Just like blood family. It's, it's good. What do we do? I'd really like to just go over what the Bible says because there is a how-to manual for that one. And it doesn't mean squash your anger and it doesn't say judge your anger. It says do this. So can we start with Matthew, book of Matthew? So Matthew 5.22 says, But I tell you, so us, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. But I thought anger was okay. Anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Then it goes again. So now he's saying it in another way. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which means worthless one, so we call each other worthless or empty, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, I've said it like four times today, will be in danger of the fire of hell. 
So now I'm like, oh, the first center me meant the act of anger. Because he's saying again, let me say it a different way. Again, let me say it this way. So that meant it says, I tell you, anyone who acts out in anger or acts in with anger with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Okay, so it's just saying don't do this when it comes to the real anger we can have with each other. So what do we do? Matthew 18, 15 to 20 says, well, if your brother does sin against you, which happens, you go and tell them. Who do we go tell? Who do we go speak to? Well, I'm just going to tell my other friends in the Life Hub because then I won't feel anger anymore because it all just gets out and it's fine and I don't want to create a problem and I'm fine now. It's called gossip. If your brother sins against you, you have to go and tell them their fault. And then it goes on to say, between you and them alone. If they don't want to meet with you on their own because they don't feel safe with you, it's fine if they bring someone. But what it's saying is if you have a problem with them, I mean, if, if it's you need to go and talk to them about it. It says, if they listen to you, you've gained a brother. I tell you, the intimacy that comes from the connection on the other side of conflict is a better friendship if you had before the conflict. It's really, really worth it. It's really, really rewarding. The people I've had the most conflict with in this church are the core leadership team. <laughs> I'm not closer to anyone else than people on the Heart Life team and on the core leadership team because we've done the hard yards. We've talked it through. And oh my gosh, the trust that builds. It really is amazing. Try it. So if anyone sins against you, go and tell them. If they refuse to listen to you, then um, take someone, take two people, two or, th or three, so that together you can figure out, actually, this is a you thing. Oh, that's a them thing. And you have counsel. If they still refuse to listen to you and a whole group has agreed they're in sin, they're dangerous, da, 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 then you tell the whole church. Some of us, I think we do it the other way around and we tell the church all about it if someone sinned against us. Someone in my life, hub, our life hub leader, don't really like that, so I'm just going to act in and I'm going to go over here and start hanging out with this crew. Yeah? Or someone in leadership, that's okay, I don't have to go anywhere near that one because I'm going to trust that one. That's acting in. That's called avoidance. We need to go, I'm so sorry, I've held repent, uh, uh, re resentment in my heart. This is what happened. And they can go, oh, I'm so sorry. Or actually often it's like, no, I didn't mean that when I did that. I didn't mean that at all. That's I meant this. Ah, rebuilt trust. You know each other even more. Like it's really, really worth it. So that's what the scripture says. And in this church, we, we, want, we do this way. Okay, so it's just let's sit down maybe in a day or two when we've had a time to think and cool down and let's sort it out. Leviticus goes on to also talk about don't take it out on each other. Proverbs 24, 26, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. We've got it. We've got to be honest. And some of us confrontation on talking and being honest is like a fear thing. Possibly it's because anger and confrontation wasn't modeled for you very well. It's not because people here are scary and dangerous. So some of us, we have fear come up if we've got to actually say to someone, I'm not happy about something and it comes from our roots. We've got to deal with that and actually go, you know, it really brings unity. I think after we announced the building stuff last week with the balloons and everything, you know, Kylie was like, all I kept seeing up there was just unity. You guys have got so much unity. The way you and Rachel flow and Brad, you just unity. I'm like, 
oh, I didn't feel unity with Rachel before we started the morning. I hope you don't mind, Rachel. So I held her hand, <laughs> and I said, I'm feeling a bit disconnected, and I'm feeling this, and I'm, I think this, and I feel this. And she was like, I never knew that, and how can we fix that? We dealt with us because it was not okay. Then we did the service, and someone said, oh, the fruit of that, I just felt the unity. I'm like, I was fought for. We didn't enter worship until it was okay. I can't worship if I'm not okay with people here. I, I can't. And we've got to get to that place where we're so sensitive that we know when we're out of order with each other and we fix it. It says, Matthew 5, 23 to 24, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you come up to do worship, and then remember that there's a brother who has something against you, leave the altar. Leave. And go first be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. We can't be singing here together if someone knows that someone, and I don't really talk, that person in my life, I'd, yeah, yeah. So I act in and I, I befriended these people over here. Or it's supposed to be iron sharpens iron. And I say, when I'm around you, I feel put down sometimes. And I wonder if it's because it's, the, and, and we talk, talk it through and we all become better people. And then, when, and then the glory that comes when there's unity, the Lord commands us. Blessing. Unity isn't we're holding hands and singing kumbaya. It means we've done the, the hard yards of talking it out and, and, and coming into true agreement together in the privately, one-on-one. -on -one. And then that's true unity. Is this okay? So I just wanted to add that one in. Colossians 3.13. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive but then talk it out. I'm going to finish there. We went on a journey. I hope some information has come through on that journey. But basically, the one emotion we talked about was anger. There's so many others. Some of us have judged anger. We need to repent of that. We've judged an, an emotion. We need to repent of that. Or we've judged people who were angry, and now we're battling to be free when it comes to processing anger. Um, yeah, and just a tool. Just get into the secret place with the Lord and tell him verbally, out loud, all about it until you can get to the owie that's underneath it and let him heal that and the anger will not come back. That's truly binning it rather than stuffing it because we feel like bad Christians when we're angry. And let's really protect our relationships in here. Let's not even worship unless we're okay with each other. We really have to not let one crack come in and one arrow come in. Let's protect what we've got. So after this, I'm free this afternoon. If everyone wants to tell me what they're offended with me about, and I'll repent. I'm joking. But I'm, al <laughs> I'm also not. It's I'll repent. But then at least we're connected. That's more important than me being right. That's not my goal. <laughs> and let's not make it our goal either. Let's have our goal is growing, which takes people giving us feedback on how we impact them, which takes humility. Wow. Let's stand. I don't know what we're going to do, but the Lord does. Well, Lord, I feel that was a bit of a buffet. There's all sorts of tiny bits to take out of that. But, Father, we just bring our hearts before you. Yeah, and, Lord, again, just on behalf of any church um, or Christian, I just repent, Father, to this church, 
um, for teaching that fear, anger, and sadness must be squashed, for bringing any shame, for lumping any shame. Jesus, on anyone having those emotions, I'm so sorry on behalf of your church. I'm so sorry. And we just ask for people to forgive us. And Jesus, we just invite you to take us on a journey of what to do with anger, sadness, and fear. What do we do with these feelings that you, was, that you made? And if it feels right to you, if you feel like you've judged anger or fear or sadness, can you just do that with the Lord and just repent of that? any of you feel like there might be an inner vow of I won't feel or I won't be angry or I will never be afraid and we're doing that out of bondage instead of freedom and just repent of making those inner vows and just renounce them Maybe just corporately, if anyone comes to mind who modeled anger to you and it was not good, there was acting out and acting in, or there was a shut off of emotions and it's really impacted your life, would I just invite us, would we be open to just forgiving them? Just forgive mom, dad, or anyone for acting out or acting in. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we forgive those just in your own words didn't teach us what to do with those emotions or who modeled it terribly. And then if any of us feel that we may have judged a parent for the way they acted out or acted in in their anger, it's really important we repent of that so that we don't pass that on on or become that. So Jesus, we just repent for any time or every time we've judged someone, a friend, a teacher. Did we judge a teacher for the way they acted out? A parent, a grandparent, just anyone who comes to mind, just forgive them and then repent for judging them. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just give you permission to take us on a journey of being wholly connected to these emotions but not taken over by them. Thank you that it is our spirit who leads. Lord, we're not dominated by emotions. We don't be led by our emotions. But would you take us on a journey of giving our heart a voice and then giving that to you and handing our pain to you, handing our anger to you, handing our fear to you, would you show us how to just hand it over after voicing it and just laying it down? Teach us how to just let it go, lay the offense down after voicing it. Teach us how to give it to you, hand it to you. And Father, we just ask that you would protect this beautiful family. Lord, that you would help us to be slow to anger 
and quick to forgive. Would you help us, Father, to fight for each other, where each other, where there are people in this room, Lord, where confrontation has been very destroying. Would you help us to be gracious with each other when it's not easy to voice how, for them to voice to us how we've impacted them. But Lord, would you help us to just hold in, to hold hands, to close ranks, to fight for connection, to keep offense out of this church, to keep discord and disunity out of this church, Jesus by feeling the freedom for sharing all the positive and the negatives of the emotional scale with each other and fighting for connection. We pray a blessing over the corporateness of this church. We just thank you for the unity that we have. And we just bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.